You are now listening to Carly's Couch. I'm Carly. And I'm Lex. In this podcast, we discuss a wide array of topics about life and how to live your best life. Whatever that looks like for you. (laughs) Hope y'all enjoy. May is Mental Health is Health Month, so today, Carly and I are taking the time to have a candid conversation about mental health and our experiences. Hello, everybody. Happy Monday. Happy May. Sorry, I thought she was going to say a little something else. Or I wouldn't have took that uh, long sip of coffee. <clears throat> That's real strong, by the way. Um, yeah, happy May. Happy Monday. Um, this year is flying by, which I feel like we say every first episode of the month. But literally, like, we're dealing out here. So we hope everybody is feeling well, doing well. Um, thank you for sticking with us and enjoying and listening to the podcast. Um, And so as we open up the month, we wanted to have a conversation about mental health because May is Mental Health Awareness Month, um, which this past Friday, April the 29th, was proclaimed Mental Health is Health Month by the city of Los Angeles and Nithya Raman's um, office, who's a council member in L.A. Um, So we are excited to, uh, I guess I could talk for myself, I'm excited to talk about mental health and it just kind of popped into my head because that's all I've been kind of looking at lately with um, uh, one of our clients, Dee Dee Hirsch, who is a mental health organization. And so I figure it might make sense for us to discuss today. Yeah, I'm excited. I feel like it's always time and important to talk about mental health. And I feel like we talk about it a lot. But I mean, there's just been so many jumps in suicide rates and depression and, you know, just more uncovering. So I think there's always a, a a great time to bring up a conversation. And I don't think we've actually like dove deep into our own experiences. So I'm kind of excited to like, you know, talk through some of those things. Yeah. That's what I was thinking about. Cause I remember, um, giving a couple examples around, um, us talking about like suicide and other people. I don't remember what the topic of the episode might have all the suicide. way been. It, oh, the whole thing it was, was, like, about how, it was like how to be there for a friend who's um, suicidal. Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. So yeah, that was the closest thing I could think of. And I was like, I don't think, I've like really even thought that much about my own journey or, you know, as we get older now and we understand more about mental health or having more discussions now kind of being able to look back at things and see it from a different viewpoint and all of that. Right. Um, so I realized that we hadn't talked much about it either. Um, so I think this will be cool to have this conversation. Um, so first of all, mental health, um, I think when we talk about mental health, Maybe the first things we think about are like depression and anxiety, um, like suicide and suicide prevention. Um, But then I kind of was thinking about what it is and what it maybe isn't. And really, it's like your what social, emotional, everything um, and your well-being. So even if it's like you're a little stressed or even if you feel happy, like the good things, too. Right. There's Mm -hmm. mental health disorders. There's um, the term I see mental health issues mental health challenges. um, really just about what's going on in the brain um, and affecting the way you deal with society and yourself in general. So it can really cover a lot of things. Um, But I just thought that was interesting too, because like, man, that that really kind of covers like just everything. And it makes sense that Dee Dee Hirsch and other folks would want to put more emphasis on mental health is health and like whole person care because like without the brain, obviously like there's nothing else going on. And, 
And so it really is just as important to talk about and to think about and assess your mental health as much as it is like to go to the doctor or to put a Band-Aid on a cut or, you know, to focus on your physical health as well. And I think there's such... Uh, we already know there's a stigma around mental health. We've been knowing that. But the definition has definitely changed because I think even since we were younger, that's not what the definition was. It didn't include your social, emotional, like all of those well-beings. No, that's an updated version. And I remember because in Jaren Doby's episode, he talked about how now it's updated Ooh. and it's changed a little bit. But I think um, it's important to when you're thinking about mental health as health, like if someone breaks their leg, you're understanding that they're on crutches and that they need help. But if someone tells you they're depressed and they start withdrawing, it's like get over it or you know why are you missing out on work how to deal with it yeah we don't even know how to deal with it and so i and think knowing you've dealt with it yourself like but we still. all are but that's why it's so important to yeah. think about mental health as being health because think about how crazy that is you know somebody breaks their leg you feel bad you send them cars somebody depressed is kind of like do i say something to them are they okay why are they not getting their work done you know why why is my partner acting different but if it's something very physical you can see you're not going to treat them mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. yeah and then there's a lot of reasons for that which we're probably about to get into but there's a lot of reasons why it's important for us to have these types of conversation the first of which is because you know for us to talk about mental health or even our own journey can hopefully make it easier for other people to talk about theirs Um, whether you're maybe in a one-on-one situation or in a group of friends sometimes um, or you're behind your keyboard tweeting or whatever um, and not to say you need to be talking about yourself to this level and or that um you know, it's always a positive thing. But when you can be open about mental health, it does tend to show other people like, oh, there's somebody else um, or I'm not the only person or understanding like, you know, that there's something there to reflect back um, to help you go through that as well. So that's one of the reasons. Yeah. And the only way to really break those stigmas is to have these conversations, is to be vulnerable, is to share about your experiences. And not only does that help break the stigma, but then also it really helps you understand how alone you're not. You know what I'm saying? There's so many people out there struggling with anxiety or depression or even suicidal thoughts or, you know, whatever's going on. Maybe if it's not even, you know, that deep to you, but maybe you are... You know, it's hard. You start to withdraw from your friends and you really can't figure out why. And I feel like mm-hmm. it's been a lot of times in my life that I knew something was going on, but I didn't even know how to talk about it or who to go to or even like what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like um, to what we were saying earlier, mental health, um, an issue could just look like when in the morning you wake up and you're just like your first thoughts are like, oh, man, you know, or like you're really blah or whatever. Like it really manifests and can show in so many different ways. Um, and Carly mentioned like this being a way to help break the stigmas. And even just in Western culture in general, we have such a stigma of be happy or work through it or even showing like you're, you know, everything's good. Be strong. Um, don't be weak. So many of those things I think that are part of our culture, um, that are proponents of us having those stigmas. Um, and even in uh, lots of other cultures within Asian cultures, within, um, Latinx cultures, like all of those as well, there's a lot around um, being stoic, being strong, or showing face, or just those aren't the things you talk about with people because there's bigger issues. Like, there's so many different reasons why we don't talk about it. Um, And hopefully these conversations will encourage folks to not see these mental health challenges as weaknesses, but literally as something that we all deal with from time to time. Um, Another reason why it's important is just because it can bring um, awareness to folks that there is hope in a future. If if folks are feeling down, depressed, whatever, 
Um, and you never know. And you're talking about something, then that might be, you know, what keeps them going another day. Or it might give them um, some type of hope or some type of, you know, feeling good about continuing on um, and staying around as well. And there are so many resources out there, like support groups and therapy and all kinds of exercises and things to help support you on your journey. And we don't know that unless we talk about it and, you know, unless we start to share this community where we have this vulnerable space where we can actually, you know, be ourselves and be honest about what's going on with us. Only then can you really start to heal and start to grow and not saying there's, you know, one fix all for any type of mental um issue or anything like that mental health issue but just knowing that you know it's all part of the journey and it all helps us heal and grow mm-hmm. yeah so I, th- I think as we learn to be more open in general as people with each other within our closest relationships especially right because also we we talk about opening it up and it may and it is actually for me it could be easier for me to talk about this to anybody who will hit play on this podcast but what I call my mom and dad and be like hey bless you you know, oh, this is something I've dealt with. Not necessarily, you know what I mean? So yeah. that's kind of interesting, too, that even as we talk about stigmas, there's still certain ones that I'm even sticking to where, um, although I think over over time, like now, you know, if a parent or my brother or somebody close is like, hey, are you are you straight or, you know, what's going on? Sure, I might, I might definitely let them in on what's going on. But, you know, they're not always the easiest people to talk to, the ones who really know you. And so for that reason also, like even us sharing with, whoever's listening, like I said, um, you know, sometimes that can have impact as well, but that's something for us to practice also is like, just even with our closest people having these conversations. Um, so also lately there's been a lot of articles this year for sure that have come out that talk about a youth crisis in particular, um, and talk about how the stats with mental health, um, and teenagers and young people is rising um, especially with the pandemic, et cetera. For the most part, I do think that um, it may even be less about the numbers rising and more about more people reporting it. Mm-hmm. And also, I, I would say that since the pandemic, I've seen a lot more studies where people are looking at how it's affecting people. And so they may even be gathering more data um, that tell us what's going on with folks. Um, but the numbers are really up. We have a few to share with you. Yep. 6,643 U.S. youth ages 10 to 24 died by suicide in 2020. And since COVID, um, 26% of 18 to 24-year-olds have seriously contemplated suicide during the pandemic. For black youth 10 to 24 years old, suicide rates have increased by over 27% in tw- and between 19 or 2019 and 2022. And then one of the most important um, ones to pay attention to is that 60% of teens and young people with depression and with some of these issues cannot access care. And so even if it's kind of recognized or you're something that you're dealing with at a young age, um, those resources may not be available or affordable or for whatever reason inaccessible. And so for these reasons, it's very important for us to be more open, especially in speaking with the next generation um, coming up behind, is it behind us, after us? Um, the young folks now, I do feel like, you know, more people are having these conversations, but mm-hmm. definitely something to be aware of. And I think that we are getting to a place where it is a little bit easier to talk about it. Or like, I know everybody has their different kind of like circles, especially like with Twitter or Instagram and social media, but um, at least the kind of the one that I have around me, like I can see that people feel okay saying something and then kind of getting support instead of it feeling like 
Um, you know, people are jumping all over you when you're being honest about what you deal with. And even in pop culture, we've been seeing like um, Naomi Osaka. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple Rams players. Um, quite a few athletes are, are what comes to my mind first. Uh, and, and probably some entertainers as well who have recently spoke more to um, suicide, depression, mental health issues, the importance of your mental health. And I think that's been pretty awesome as well in showing that, hey, you can have money, you can have a contract, you can have things going for you, you can be in the latest, last, latest movie um, and still be dealing with these things. And so um, today you're going to learn about me and Carly, I guess. Man, and I have a quick story about Naomi Osaka. Whenever she chose to not continue competing for her mental health and for her self-care and her own personal, you know, reasons, um, I was working with kids at the time, and I remember the next day we talked about the importance of choosing yourself and, you know, what did that mean to, to them to see her do that? And they were like, well, kind of showed me that, you know, I can choose myself and that it's okay to be overwhelmed sometimes and it's okay to step back and I don't always have to push through. And it's like, you know, to hear middle school kids say this is crazy to me because it's like that culture was just non-existent back then it's like you push through you do whatever and people are still trying to force that on us but it's cool to see the ripples and the importance of telling your own story and being vulnerable and how it really can impact the lives of other people Mm -hmm. so carly we've talked about like why this is important and and what it kind of means um and set up the context for this conversation so for you how would you um, describe your mental health currently? Like, what's going on with you? How have you been feeling? Man, my mental health is actually the best that it's ever been. Um, and I only feel it getting better. I actually had a conversation with my therapist a couple weeks ago to move our sessions from weekly to either biweekly or monthly because I don't feel like I need that same type of check-in or that same type of space. And that's great because, you know, I've had almost weekly sessions for the past two years And I would say at the beginning of COVID, I was dealing with like, uh, I had stopped dating somebody, COVID was happening, you know, the world, I feel like I was kind of in a dark place and I was really struggling through it. Like I felt withdrawn that I didn't want to be around people and I didn't have any energy to give anybody else, which is weird for me because I, you know, I'm a giver. I like doing that. I like being there, but I couldn't. Um, And so to now be in a place where I feel like rejuvenated and I feel like I have the energy to do those things, it's like, man, I really noticed I notice how much better I am now than where I was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. So it sounds like you're kind of comparing our showing from like the last few years with COVID to now. Um, and that's good to to feel and like to see the difference um, in maybe a space that you've been in before. Um, for me, I would say that I think the state of mental health that I'm in now, and again, it's always hard to, to think about like comparing per se, because once you're out of a thing or once things mm-hmm. change, you know, it, Sometimes when you look back at it, it's not quite the same. Some things are get more clear, but some things are like kind of maybe romanticize it or it gets fuzzy or whatever. So maybe I won't compare so much, but I'll say that right now, I feel like I'm in an interesting space where it's not as good as it has been um, because I find myself a lot of times, but it may be in like phases. So like maybe with a few months ago, um, even in my sessions with therapists, I was like, man, I very, very often just think about like, what if I wasn't here, but also not in a, in an ideating way, not suicidal ideation, because I never thought about like, I want to kill myself or I, I want to go, but I would always kind of just think about like, man, like if I could snap my fingers and be gone, or I would always have these visualizations of like, if I'm in a plane, like, oh, if the plane blew up, that'd be cool. Like, it'd be whatever. Or um, if somebody like, 
got hit me in a car accident, like, or whatever. Like, I would always have a lot of those kind of weird thoughts. Um, and then that kind of actually, like, just went away. So I don't know. I think a lot of things with mental health can also have to do with your body and, and your makeup, um, especially with women and hormones and things. I've had lots of conversations where I'm like, yeah, I can tell when my mental health <laughs> is totally different um, based on where I am with my cycle mm-hmm. or what's going on with my body. Um, and those are things to keep in mind as well. Um, and also lately I would say I've had a lot more uh, just like thoughts of just like feeling like just tired or over it or like, hey man, I just don't want to do anything or I want to just like mm-hmm. kind of be able to disappear. I wish I could like put life on pause for a minute um, things like that. But outside of that, though, I also, for the most part, like, can, you know, pop up well, take care of things. Um, excuse me, pretty functional, like very functional, actually, um, outside of like a couple of down weeks, which may have had to do with um, something else, whether it's like relationship or something going on with work or extra stresses. Um, I do have a lot of stressors in my life, but I don't know if I'm as stressed as maybe I could be. But in general, I also, I don't know, I also can see all of this from the outside. And so for me, it's not necessarily, it doesn't feel like super challenging because when I something is off or when I feel a certain way, I tend to also very quickly be aware of it, to see it from an outside point of view and to kind of understand like either to coast through it or... Um, I need to do something, maybe I need to do a little more activity, or um, maybe I need to be more intentional about, you know, maybe journaling or doing something. Um, And it's kind of a thing that just like passes. Um, And so for me, it's almost like a chart of like a wave that, you know, kind of goes up and down and up and down. And I've gotten really good at writing it. So is what I would say. And so if somebody were to ask me kind of, which is what we did 10,000 minutes later, um, about my mental health, it's I can recognize those kind of ups and downs because I'd be having some really up good feeling moments too. Um, but I don't know, I could take it all in stride. And I think that's a great point. Like it's like, well, how do you even gauge your mental health? If you know, or just starting this conversation, like how do I even kind of know where my mental health is? Because some days I'd be feeling stressed and some days I'd be feeling good. For me, I think about riding that wave. Like you can't really control those things so much. Some of them, yes, but not all of them. And so it's like, what is your functionality look like? Are you still getting all of the things done that you need to? Are you still able to show up, show up every day? And then also like, what is your bounce back time? This is not to say toxic positivity, not to say you have to force yourself to feel good. But when you have one of those days where you imagine I've been here or where it just sucks, the day just sucks. You don't want to get out of bed. It's like, how long does it take you to bounce back? And I'm looking at those things to measure like, wow, I noticed significant growth in my mental health because I'm able to take more things in stride. I'm able to bounce back a lot quicker, you know, and things that before would have decimated me. Like I would be flat like a pancake, like on a Wiley Coyote with an acne, you know, (laughs) boom, dynamite. Now it's like, okay, I need like 20 minutes and a little meditation and maybe some movement and then I'm good. And that's kind of how I think about where my mental health is. Mm -hmm. But I will also say, too, that I have, I I need to actually go to a real doctor, but (laughs) maybe I will sometime soon. Actually, I need to put that on my to-do list um, because I've been putting everything on my to-do list except my personal stuff. (laughs) Um, But I also, even recently, like, I did think about, like, man, what, let me research, like, what medications are out Mm -hmm. there for certain stuff, whether it's ADHD or um, where am I at on the spectrum that maybe I need to take a test and, like, identify or 
um, at certain points I, I have not recently, but I have looked at like, okay, what are antidepressants? How do they, mm-hmm. how do they work? How could they work? What are the differences in them? Um, and yet I've never felt dysfunctional enough or unfunctional. I don't know which word dysfunctional enough to like ever be like, okay, I really need to do something because even at like a really deep kind of depressive state, you know, I don't know whether it was like weeks later or whatever. And then I kind of just came out of it. Um, but I think, to Carly's point and to me even talking earlier about exercising or her talking about like, you know, journaling or meditating and stuff like that, that yes, there's also points to where um, it's okay and you may need to go talk to somebody and see about what remedies there may be um, outside of the things that you can do to make yourself feel better um, or to even give you that boost up or chemical boost or whatever that you may need. Um, So that is still something actually that I need to put on my list because I would be interested just to see like, Maybe I don't even know there's a difference. Just like I couldn't see, mm-hmm. obviously I couldn't see till I put got a glasses prescription, but I didn't even know that's how people saw the world. And so maybe that is something that would be different or changed. But I also personally know, like I don't have a good, um, I don't have a good um, kind of running thing with like medications because I feel like most medications like mess me up or make me feel kind of blah. Um, but if the purpose of these are the opposite, then you know you never know. Yeah, you never know if they could help. And I do have friends on antidepressants and also anxiety medication. They say it helps. Mm-hmm. Like, they can tell the difference in their life and mm-hmm. their productivity and their relationships. So definitely talk to people. We are by no means experts. We're just here sharing experiences. Mm-hmm. And when thinking about that, like, we're talking about now where we are with our mental health currently. Like, kind of what has your journey looked like with mm-hmm. mental health? When I look back, like, I can, I can remember, like, my first thoughts now of when I feel like I was kind of like angsty and dark would be high school that I can remember. Um, because I remember like, that's the time for me, like I listen to alternative music, not to like correlate it, but like from, but from like, yeah, it was much more emo, but from that kind of music also was more, uh, talk around like self harm or, um, hurting yourself in different ways. Or like, I feel like that music was a little bit different in that way. Um, where it was a little more self-deprecating than maybe hip-hop or whatever else. Um, I remember I when I felt some kind of way, like, I would uh, write, like, dark kind of poems or, like, I would draw pictures. I remember, I, like, I drew this picture, um, like, like, dead roses and somebody's wrist, like, just, and they're sitting on, like, the carpet or something. And so looking back at it, I'm like, oh, I was kind of wilding. But I, I don't know. I was just, like, a, kind of going through a phase of trying to figure out how to express things. Because I also, as most of y'all know from listening, wasn't very communicative at all, not with my family. So I think I felt like I needed some kind of different outlet, some kind of way to communicate. And during that time, I guess, sometime during high school, like I started um, self-harm and cutting and that went through college at different times. So for me, that was also like a release because I didn't communicate. Mm. Um, And so it was almost like I, I had this feeling or this need to like have to remind myself to like oh I feel kind of alive or I feel like I'm doing something or um I don't know kind of like jolt myself if I was ever going through something so I would say those are kind of like my earliest memories of things I'm like "Mm, that's probably uh pretty reflective of a mental health issue there um in high school college and I don't know uh what's the word for like if you like, just not a good communicator or, like, other issues, right? Like, other social issues. I don't know if it's, like, it's the mental and then which reflects this way or if it's, like, you know, I didn't grow up communicating well, so then it reflected back through mental health. Like, mm. I don't know, like, how it all connects. But, like, obviously, 
well, I don't know, maybe not obviously, but like all of it, again, the point is that it all goes together. Um, and so definitely there were healthier ways to deal with, you know, the things that I was going through, which I did not know. Um, outside of that, I would say I can't really remember or picture anything that's like super reflective of a straight up like mental health challenge um, outside of maybe some the anxieties. Oh, I used to have panic attacks a lot, I think, um, like in grad school or after school, like sometimes with my business, um, where my, like my chest would always like get real panicky and tight. Um, I couldn't drink coffee because it made me feel like I had a heart attack anytime I tried to take a sip of it. And then, I don't know, all of a sudden one day I just went away. Um, and there would have been lots of stretches of time where I would deal with things like uh, waking up and my, like, my heart's pounding or just feeling really stressed um, and then kind of moving up to, I don't know, maybe within the last few years that I can remember just different times of feeling kind of depressed or, or kind of in a dark state. Um, but it's definitely changed over time. Yeah, I, it's interesting. I'm trying to think. First of all, thank you for sharing um, <laughs> all of those things. Um, I don't know when I first noticed my own mental health thing, but I do remember it vividly being around me. Um, like my mother and my stepfather are, are, were alcoholics and we're in a very abusive relationship. And so I remember my mom having depressive episodes mm -hmm. where she would withdraw and not, you know, do things. And I remember my grandmother had a lot of social anxiety when I was younger, mm -hmm. so she didn't want to be around people, you Did know. Did you understand those things as a kid or um, now looking back? You're I about like, to say, oh. well, when I was little, I just was like, well, obviously I know why my mom is sad. Like when you mm -hmm. are fighting and you know what I mean? And drinking and things aren't going your way. Like, of course you're going to be sad when you can't pay mm -hmm. bills and stuff like in my head, it like made sense. Well, my grandmother, I didn't. It clicked when I got older because, like, everybody said that she was just, like, you know, crotchety and all this stuff. But I was like, bro, she actually was on too much medication and she had social anxiety. Mm -hmm. Like, now I'm like, oh, we're able to have a little bit more grace. But back then she was probably going through it with all these people. Um, with myself, you know, growing up tumultuously the way that I did, I never thought that I had issues because I always felt like <laughs> I was helping people and saving them. And I didn't realize until I got older and started therapy <laughs> that – my coping mechanism was to achieve, was to try to get my way out of it. So I took all of that hurt and anger and pain and probably depression and loneliness and fear and channeled it into what I was doing, which is great. Like when you're surviving, you know, you do what you need to do and you look like an overachiever. Nobody knows nothing. Anything is wrong with you. But then when I got to college, um, I noticed like sometimes I would just like be angry and I would just have this like burning like anger. And I really started noticing it whenever um, I started drinking, not like I was an angry drunker, but like, you know, I got a little more aggressive when I was like drunk and I'm like, where is this coming from? But then after I graduated, I started going to therapy um, because me and this guy I was dating broke up with and it like flat me like a pancake. I've been talking about that analogy, but for real. And, and in my head, I was like, my reaction to what's going on in my life doesn't make sense. Why am I so sad that I don't want to get out of bed? Like, it's not that big of a deal. So I couldn't logically make sense of it. Started going to therapy and realized it was just the accumulation of all of those emotions and me not knowing how to process or deal with it or talk about it. I didn't realize that I needed to talk about what I went through when I was little, what I saw, what I had to process that, you know, I was parentified and was raising my parents and that, you know, that stuff lingered in me and that I was heard. And, you know, so afterwards, starting to tell my story, that's when I realized like, oh, a lot of the things that I do are trauma responses. Oh, man. Wow. I can heal that. Oh, wow. Life can feel good. And so, you know, ever since I am 33, um, I started therapy when I was 23. So it's like 10 years into my self-love journey with therapists and, you know, really working. I see such a difference. But 
It's like sometimes, like Lexi said, you don't even know that you can't see until you put on glasses. Like, I didn't know anything was wrong with me until I started talking to a therapist and was able to process and heal that stuff. I didn't realize I had so much anger and so much hurt and and fear and stuff in my body. I didn't even know that I was processing that because I'm a genuinely, like, happy person. But it was heavy. And now I can't really explain it other than, like, there's not this heaviness on my soul. Like, I can be genuinely peaceful. One of my friends I saw who I haven't seen probably in like five, six years, she saw me, she was like, yo, you are so peaceful. And I was like, wow, that's a compliment, Mm -hmm, baby, mm -hmm. because I have never heard that. (laughs) Always been a good person, never been peaceful. So um, I would say that's kind of my transition um, and learning, uh, yeah, to just, like how to process things and that there are even those spaces to do it. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing. So you mentioned talking to a therapist outside of that. How open do you feel that you have been about your mental health or like mental health in general? Um, I feel, I feel like uh, <laughs> it's yes and. So I've been I've been very open about like my struggles with you know growing up with my parents and like I can talk to y'all about stuff that goes on and I can tell stories to kids and I can speak in front of a room full of people, but when it comes to people in my life. <laughs> um, it's it's much harder to to not feel embarrassment or shame or guilt whenever I'm going through things. So I'm getting better. Um, but I feel like now is really like the past year, I've really been vulnerable with people. I feel like before I would do the same thing. How you feeling? I'm good. You feel like something's wrong? Nah, I'll be okay. And not really talk about it. Now I'm like, actually, I'm having a really hard day. Mm-hmm. And just being okay with that. So I feel like it's within the last year that I've even really been able to be open with the people that are closest to me um, about what how I'm feeling. Because before I was carried so much guilt and shame and embarrassment about it. Like I should be able to handle all these things by myself. I felt weak. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then what would you say are some of the like positive and negative ways that over, over like your journey you've dealt with it or like tried to fix or make it better or – you know, you're just like your attempt to like have a relationship with mental health. Um, man, I feel like for the most part, most of mine are positive. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> um, I have done a lot of yoga. That's actually how I got into yoga because that was the only time I could calm down my mind. Like my racing thoughts was in at the very end in Shavasana and corpse pose. That's why I started going to yoga. I thought it was real dumb when I first started doing it, but it was the only time I felt peace. So I kept going and kept going. That's why I like working out so hard. That's why I like journaling and reading books and talking, um, learning how to do things by myself. Like those are all really positive things. Anything we've talked about for self-care and self-love are pretty Mm -hmm. much the positive ways. I think some of the negative ones um, are looking for other people to fulfill those things or to help heal you, Uh, trying to find that in either friends and or lovers, mostly that, mostly the latter. And realizing that that's not it and that will never be it and that's okay. Um, You don't have to beat yourself up about that. But I feel like people was probably the most negative one of mine is trying to attach my worth or trying to find my worth through other people. Mm -hmm. I would say my most negative ways of dealing with it are are obviously self-harm. There was even like a time in um, college, like like a second, where I would like take cigarettes or like, you know, I just needed to be doing something. 
So I would like smoke a cigarette or um, like a mild or something. Cause that's what we did back then. <laughs> um, maybe like even through drinking. And again, it's kind of like during college years. So like I, I never have been an alcoholic, I wouldn't say. But um, kind of going to like negative habits like that. Mm-hmm. Um, taking a lot of pills or like trying to numb. So my, my things have been like trying to numb it. Um, and even now, like when I smoke or um, and not cigarettes, when I smoke or, um, like, who I want, kind of want to drink, like, it is a lot of times, like, something that's an escape. So in the, even in the same way, some of those habits now, um, i trying to think of what else, outside of, like, what you said with, like, people validation. Mine, I thought about when food. Um, I tore my ACL in college, and I couldn't move, so I didn't have my health outlet. Like, I didn't mm-hmm. have the thing that I usually use. And then my grandfather passed away, like, within the same week. And I ate, I got fluffy boy <laughs> I was eating all kind of food and I didn't realize that's what it was because I was cooking because I like mm-hmm. to cook but inevitably I started eating because I was cooking all this shit and I got that was my heaviest I've ever been in mm-hmm. my life mm-hmm. that is a good one to keep in mind too um but the positive ways that I dealt with it was I definitely I started going to therapy too after college I went um and it's so funny because like when I just stopped like self-harming but some time after I felt like man you know what I feel like I need to talk to somebody about that and so I remember going to, like, my – that was the first time I'd ever done it, and it was through um, – I worked at my university at the time. So, like, they had a program where, you know, they take care of it. So I was like, oh, I'm going to go talk to somebody. And I went in there the first time. I was like, yeah, I, I was, like, cutting myself and doing this or that. And she was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, first session, cool. <laughs> but I, I told her, too, I was like, for some reason, like, I was at a point where, like, I just felt like I needed to talk about it. I didn't know why or what. Um, and I think a lot of, for me – since around that time, like after college to like the last couple of years, like I probably have had a lot of ups and downs, but I don't really recall them because I don't think I was processing that something was going on or like it didn't even know how to like figure out how I felt or to process that either. Um, but so I, for a long time, like I hadn't, the therapy was like useful. I just went like a couple of times um, and it was really like just like reporting, getting it off my chest. And I don't think I went again until I moved to L.A., so since 2015, um, and then maybe, I don't know when I started going, maybe like 17, 18, probably. I started kind of going regularly again, um, just switched to somebody new in the last year again. And so, um, you know, during when times are harder, kind of like how you said, I would go more often. Um, I hadn't even thought about her in a while, so I don't think I've been in maybe like a month or so now, but like I need to. Um but, yeah, I think that's the most helpful thing is that. And I do have a lot of friends who, like, really, like, challenge me. on like, how are you feeling, like, for real? Um, and th- that's, to me, is the hardest time to, like, actually talk to somebody because I feel like they're kind of putting you on the spot. And I my thing is, like, I try to escape, like, feeling. So then if somebody asks me, I can, like, damn, I feel like they really <laughs> care. Like, but, I, you know, that's what makes me, like, start feeling, and I try to avoid that. So I'll I still kind of always collect myself or, like, deliver what I want to say in a certain type of way, but I can be more open about it um, and talk to other people about it for sure. And that's a really, that's such, that's such growth whenever you're actually able to do that and notice whenever you are running from those conversations. Um, We talked about our own um, mental health, but what has your experience looked like with, you know, other people and their mental health? Like what have Mm -hmm. you kind of helped people through or been there for experienced? Um, Well, I don't have any, Nobody close to me have I lost to suicide. Um, And within even my own family and close friends, I'm sure there's a lot of folks who have mental health issues or deal with depression, anxiety, bipolar, Mm -hmm. things like that, schizophrenia maybe even. 
but I don't really know. You know what I mean? Like, like it's not like very labeled. Like within my um, house and all that. Like I don't know. I was thinking about that even with um, when I was thinking about my own like issues and stuff. I was like, man, I wonder if that's something that's like my grandmother, great grandfather, or somebody in my had or something. Um, and you just don't really know, you know. Um, but outside of that, I have had a couple of close people who um, it, they've expressed feeling suicidal. And I remember the first time I had dealt with that, I was kind of scared because I felt like, oh, man, is this like, like I kind of felt like I, like it was in my hands because somebody was reaching out to me. And at that time I had been doing like training for a crisis text hotline or whatever, which was helpful. And it was so funny because I'm like, okay, I kind of know like what not to do. <laughs> it's still always like weird. Like I, I remember feeling like scared that I would say the wrong thing, but I kind of remember the things not to do. And really it's just about being there and like letting them talk. I kind of just asked them questions um, and they felt comfortable telling me like, they're just like, yo, this is just how I feel. So I just want you know, to talk to somebody. And they went to like the hospital. They're like, I'm gonna just sit out here for a while. And, you know, just didn't want to be by themselves until they felt okay and, and went on about it. Um, and then another person was close to me, like really just going through like a deep depression, um, like a lot of financial issues, things like that, which that'll do it. Um, and would start to like mention it more often. Um, but also I think it was during a time too, where, like I would mention things about death and, and like, you know, just like, be open about how like I have those types of thoughts as well. So I, I guess they felt kind of comfortable, but like they would kind of mention that not that they wanted to exactly, but I don't know how to really explain it, but just kind of like throwing it in the conversation. So it's like, okay, in my mind, I, I know like, all right, let me pay attention here. Um, let me ask questions about like, what are you about to do? Or, or, you know, to, to see how much they're like really ideating it. Um, and just, again, it was kind of a situation of needing to just kind of be there and be responsive and attentive. Um, but those are the couple of situations that I've had with somebody in crisis. Yeah, I had a couple of people, either acquaintances for whatever reason. Um, like I had an acquaintance in college who was suicidal, and I did not have near the knowledge that I did now. So I didn't know what to do. I was just like, I'm just scared to get off the phone because what if they kill themselves and I don't know where they are? And so I just kind of listened and was like, yep, and I'm here. Um, but then... After that, um, I've only had one other person that was having suicide ideation, um, but they said they, were, they weren't going to go through with it, but they were just like, what do I do whenever I have these feelings? And because I've been doing a lot more research and working around in mental health, I was able to like help them find resources. I was like, oh, let me send you a site. Go here. You can talk to somebody here. Um, and then um, my best friend is bipolar. And she had a mania, uh, an, a manic episode, um, a very intense manic episode during the pandemic. And that was my first time ever dealing with that. And I didn't know if she was safe and it, or what was going on or, you know, it was just, it was, it was a lot for both of us. Um, and it's, it's like, what do you really do in those situations? Um, but I was able to get in contact with her mom and her partner and other people, you know, who could help get her the help that she needed at that time. She doesn't live near me. Um, and so she, yeah, she's good now. And so I understand a lot more about bipolar. She actually, uh, facilitate some bipolar support groups for people with with manic episodes and who who are bipolar. Um, so that's awesome now. Um, but outside of that, just people in like abusive situations or in other those type of crises. So not them necessarily, but just where they might feel that they're in danger because of other people. Mm -hmm. I think it's just important to be aware of and to think about your own mental health. Um, it's just as important to 
understand or know how to talk to others about mental health, um, things not to say, things to do, ways to pick up on cues, um, ways to start conversations, things like that. So, and that could be a whole nother episode, but I do think that's important as well. It's not just talk about what's going on with you, but to really kind of, uh, practice and learn how to kind of be there for others or to recognize at least when somebody else might be going through something so that you can have a productive conversation that doesn't make them feel shame or Mm -hmm. stigma or, um, like they want to just keep it inside or, Oh, maybe I need to hide it better. Like that's how I've always kind of been. It's like, if somebody asks me how I'm doing or they, I feel like they're worried about me. My first thought is like, Oh, I'm not doing a good enough job of hiding it. Um, and so, you know, there's, there's things I think for sure that we should all be doing to, Get better at that as well. And if you, like, want to, there are so many resources. Like, we had an episode whenever Lexi was going through, like, that training about, you know, being on a suicide prevention crisis line. Like, what does that look like? How to, you know, continue a conversation without pressing the person and being a better listener, but then also connecting them with resources. And so I would say everybody should probably take some type of course like that to be better, you know, supporters for everybody Mm. in our lives. Yeah, that is a good point. Um, I remember back in the day, too, like when I was in middle school, like I used to take like those CPR courses and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. But again, like that's taking us full circle to mental health is health. We don't have those kind of conversations in classes or like necessarily programs like without you really looking for them where you are learning how to have those conversations just the way you may be learning how to swim or how to save somebody's life or how to do the Heimlich maneuver or whatever else. Um, So, yeah, all of that is very important. Um, But I will say that I appreciate that I, I for the most part, see that more people are open about having these conversations, Um, especially, like we said, in entertainment and in pop culture and the public eye, the more people are feeling okay talking about it, the more you just tend to see, like, the floodgates open of people who can identify or feel heard or seen. Um, So I am feeling good about the direction that stigma around mental health is going as of now. How would you feel about that? I'm so grateful that we even see that stuff on TV shows now. You know, like mm-hmm. people having breakdowns and and, yeah, and like euphoria. Yeah. <laughs> but even like things on like euphoria, like this is us, mm-hmm. like really talking about everything from eating disorders to depression to self-harm to, you know, abusing drugs, substance abuse. Because mm-hmm. it's so glorified sometimes, but it's really an issue when it starts to affect you. So I like that. I also am more excited to see it become more accessible for other people. So a lot of the things like that, you know, Councilwoman Nithya Raman is doing in the district, like all the stuff that D.E. Hirsch has, like all that. I'm just excited to see it be more accessible because it's like, well, what do people do if they're aware but they can't get help? Like how how does mm-hmm. that help anybody? Mm-hmm. And even nowadays there's so many just like even Instagram communities and places mm-hmm. online where it's like even if you just start by a Google search, you will find something um, and on a lot of places, you'll find somebody you can talk to for free, if not at least find a blog or something to read and learn that can make you feel like, okay, like this is something that exists. It's not just you. Yeah. Um, so if anything, like just take a moment to stop and start Googling um, and look things up that way. So a couple of tips as we wrap up for tips for if you're in crisis or if you know anybody in crisis, um, one thing you can do is look up the crisis text hotline. Um, there are numbers that you can... Uh, text and talk to somebody about how you feel. Um, And also I think you can like just hop on like your laptop and, and find different kind of um, like chat things Mm -hmm. where you can just talk to somebody about how you're feeling, which is typically a really good um, outlet for younger folks and teenagers who, you know, you might not want to pick up a phone and talk for real, um, but at least just to text somebody. And it can be about, you know, anything about I'm stressed with my homework to, 
um, you having ideation. So nothing is too big or small to reach out. And they have some different ones. So like there's a specific, like mm-hmm. a teen line, you know, mm-hmm. for people more your age, um, a veterans line, if you have that. But also the mm-hmm. suicide hotline is 800-273-8255. Mm-hmm. One more again, 800-273-8255. And that's even available in different languages and 24-7. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, um, that suicide hotline is evolving and changing to 988. So in July, uh, 988 will launch nationwide, um, and it'll be not controlled by, but like implemented by the kind of crisis centers within each state. So I know like in California, D.D. Hirsch Mental Health Services is one of the um, crisis centers that would be answering those calls as well. And so it's not a change in like the hotline. It's just the number, make it easier to remember um, as opposed to calling 911 or if you're out and about and see something where it might be a mental health thing instead of like calling the police there, um, diverting it to mental health professionals who might give a better outcome to the people involved um, and calling 988 if there's crisis where they actually have the know-how and the understanding to figure out what's going on and kind of dilute the situation or get the right people there. Um, so that's coming as well. Thank God. Thank God. That's so terrifying. Cause my mom, um, my stepbrother is autistic and I always get worried mm-hmm. about calling. Cause it's like, bro, he's not going to know how to listen to cops, you know, about mm-hmm. anything. And they'd be scary. <laughs> and so I'm so glad that that's coming. And just a reminder to, you know, call, call and check on people, text people, be vulnerable, actually share your, you know, how you're feeling in your story so people feel comfortable sharing with you. Like, let's continue this conversation around mental health and mental health actually being health. Mm-hmm. And this week we're going to shout out Dee Dee Hirsch, who we've mentioned a couple of times in this episode. But again, Dee Dee Hirsch um, is a mental health organization, one of the largest and leading um, suicide prevention centers in Southern California. And we just wanted to highlight them because they are doing month-long campaigns for Mental Health is Health Month. Um, so if you follow DD underscore Hirsch, D-I-D-I underscore H-I-R-S-C-H on Instagram or find them on most of the platforms um, all month, they're going to be um, doing like different challenges, asking therapists, um, putting out lots of resources, et cetera, and definitely doing a lot of fundraising for their programming, for their trainings, um, for their call centers, et cetera. So I invite you to visit mentalhealthishealth.org to learn more about what Dee Dee Hirsch is doing all May long. Yeah, support them. We'll link everything in the show notes so y'all can go check it out. They also do, I think, some training around suicide prevention. So whatever you're looking for, mental health-wise, they got. And then this week's question of the week, Alexia, where can you be more vulnerable? I don't even know right now. Do you have an answer for this? Yeah. Um, I would say this made me realize, like, I can be even more vulnerable about my own mental health, like, when I'm talking to people. Because I also, it rung true when you said, like, when people ask you how you're doing, like, damn, I wasn't hiding it well enough. I know for sure (laughs) I do that. So, you know, just being more vulnerable um, and practicing letting my guard down when it comes to those things. Mm -hmm. I think, you know what, I've gotten super vulnerable, like, much more than I have been, especially in the last maybe year or so. Um, with other folks, even around, like, how I'm feeling in regards to, like, work or, like, how I'm mm-hmm. feeling, like, to even, you know, talk about what I talked about today. Um, you know, I have some colleagues with work stuff who will call me and just be like, hey, just checking in on you because they know what's going on with the clients and stuff, too, and understand that I might be stressed. Um, 
I'm a little bit more open with my friends about it and stuff. I would just say I could be more vulnerable in talking to um, maybe my family about just things in general. Um, I have, like, as I get older, and I feel like I see this with a lot of people as they get older, they can kind of feel more comfortable talking about things with their family. Um, But I would say maybe that because even with, um, like, conversations, whether it's, like, relationship-wise or, like, all different types of relationships – um, I do feel like I'm, it's much easier to just like really kind of talk about like how I really feel about a thing or to do it kind of in a healthy way. Um, not that I'll be messing up, but like for the most part, I think so. So where can y'all be more vulnerable this week? Hit us at Carly's Couch. Let us know what you think about the episode, um, how your mental health is, what your thoughts are, and also where you can be more vulnerable. Yeah, and please help spread the word, amplify mental health awareness. This month, there should be lots of things you see on social and in conversations in general, because I know a lot of organizations um, definitely want to tap in now, which is what makes it so great right now is that everybody wants to tap in and have uh, something to say with the conversation of mental health. So join in, um, be a light in a vessel to others, um, pay attention to yourself, figure out what you need to do for you, and we hope you have a great week. Mental health is health, y'all.